Please be seated. Well, we've been talking about power for the past uh, six weeks now. Power of the Holy Spirit. And when we started our series on, the, uh, on dynamite prayer, I mentioned how Alfred Nobel had invented dynamite for use in building roads and bridges. The word dynamite comes from the, the Greek word dynamis, which means power. And it was a much more powerful and safe uh, explosive to use than any of the others that were being used at the, co- the time. And soon mountains were being moved and crooked roads were being straightened and gaps were bridged because of dynamite power. As we've been praying these past 28 days for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and to break through all that would keep us from having the powerful, abundant life that Jesus wants for us, we've seen the Holy Spirit work like dynamite. And you've shared some of those testimonies with me. Mountains were moved, at least conquered. Remember the story of the girl from the church here that was too afraid to get on the ski lift? But through answered prayer, her fears were broken, and she got on the lift and enjoyed the the wonders of not only skiing, but to know that God answers prayer. Others of you shared stories like this, of where the winding paths were made straight. One of you shared how the words of the Bible began to leap off the page to you, as if God were speaking directly to your heart. Another shared of peace under a time of very stress, stress, great stress in the family. There were miraculous things as well. Estranged families brought together, bridging long-standing gaps. There was love that blossomed and, and joy surprised and patience was found and daily bread was received. In one case, prayers helped to break through addiction. Power of the Holy Spirit. Even a damp wick was ignited and the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit broke through. And I thank you so much for sharing some of these stories with me and with one another. It reminds me of, of what Peter says in 1 Peter 1.12. He says, it's also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. And I think the angels have been eagerly watching the breakthroughs that you've experienced and the way that you've shared that with one another. And yet having heard these testimonies, you might be feeling a little jealous. I mean, you might still be in weight training still waiting for your breakthrough, waiting for power that's not there right now. You might even have lowered your expectations. God, I don't need dynamite power, but 110 volts would be nice. Or maybe, how about just double-A battery power? Lord, anything, any kind of power. Well, here's some good news. Whether you've had one of those breakthrough stories or not, or whether you've had all of the fruit of the Spirit or not, or whether you've had any answered prayer or not, you already have something that is more powerful than all of that. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it makes dynamite look like a firecracker. It's more like nuclear power. And I'm not talking about nuclear bomb power. You know, just like dynamite was quickly turned into a weapon, 
Oppenheimer and his crew quickly turned nuclear power into nuclear weapons. But I'm not talking about destructive power here. Nuclear power can also be, be used for good, to provide carbon-free energy for our homes and lives. You know, Prairie Island does it just down, just down the river. And did you know that a single pound of uranium-235 has the same energy as two to three million pounds of coal? Just one pound of uranium. Just tiny little bit. One speck of uranium can do so much. And you know, even solar power that is now becoming a big part of our grid, that's really nuclear power too. Because the sun is just one big giant nuclear fusion reactor. Nuclear power is a wonderful thing. Dynamite's nice, but it's no match for nuclear power. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, is like nuclear power. Listen to what Romans 1 says. <coughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The gospel is God's power for everyone who believes, the power to save. Nothing is more powerful than the good news of Jesus. And like nuclear power, where it seems like so little can have so much energy, so it is with the gospel of Jesus. <coughs> you know, one little story saved me and you, and it can save others too if we share it. It can save the whole world. So what is this gospel that the Bible says is so powerful? Well, gospel simply means good news. That's what the word means, good news. And when the Bible talks about the gospel of Jesus, it's speaking of the good news of Jesus. It's the story of what God has done through us, for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel writer Mark starts his report on Jesus' life by simply saying, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus the Messiah. So in one sense, you can say that the good news is the whole story of the life of Jesus. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That whole story by which we can experience and know about God's love for us. And that's why there's groups like the Gideons that, that make it their mission to get the gospel story into people's hands. They pass out Bibles. Any of you ever received a Gideon Bible or looked at one in a hotel? Maybe you're off at college, you got one. Maybe you went into the military, you got one. Why do they spend their time volunteering and giving their money to do this? Because God's word is so powerful. The gospel found in the Bible, is so powerful, it's like nuclear power. I came across this story just this week in our Daily Bread devotional. Um, it was about a, a woman named Kristen who had married uh, a, a Chinese man, Zhao Hu, and she wanted to, to surprise him with a special gift, and she thought it'd be nice if she could find a book written in Chinese that she could give him. I don't know if it was Valentine's Day or his birthday or what. 
Um, but she went to look to find a book in Chinese, and she couldn't find any except for a Bible. Now, neither of them were Christians. But she bought the Bible because it was the only thing in Chinese, and she hoped that he would at least um, appreciate the sentiment. And she gave it to him. And he got angry when he saw it, and he threw it aside. But later he picked it up, and he read it. And through the words on the pages, he became a believer in Jesus, which then upset her because she didn't give it to him so they could become Christians. In fact, she started reading the Bible so she could refute what he was telling her. And then she too came to faith by what she read, the gospel of Jesus. It is so powerful. It is like nuclear power. But you may not have a Bible on you all the time. And yet still, the gospel can have nuclear power. Because it's so powerful, it doesn't take the whole Bible or even all of Mark or Matthew or, or Luke for people to hear the good news and to be saved. Again, it's, it's like uranium. Just a small part can have amazing power. You know, when... When the Apostle Paul went all around the Mediterranean area introducing thousands of people to Jesus, he didn't have little Gideon Bibles to hand out. In fact, <coughs> the New Testament wasn't even written. There was no Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John because that didn't come until afterwards. The first uh, books written in the New Testament were, were Paul's letters. And yet still... He shared the good news of Jesus. He says, uh, he says this to the church in Corinth. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. So he's, he's going to give a little summary of the gospel that that he preached to them. He's not going to tell them all, but he says, I, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So what, what's the first thing that they need to know about the gospel? He says that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. And he calls himself abnormally born because he says he doesn't fit in the timeline because all those people that he talked about that saw the risen Jesus saw him in the 40 days between the resurrection and when he ascended to heaven. But during that time, Paul wasn't a Christian. In fact, even after that, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. And he was on a road to Damascus to arrest Christians when Jesus appeared to him. Not the Jesus of those 40 days, but the same Jesus that can come to any one of us. And, Jesus, and Paul became a Christian. And he learned of the gospel, that 
Jesus gave his life for us. That he took our place on that cross. He paid the price for us. And it isn't because we're so great or even good. There's nothing we could do to earn it. It was all simply grace. It was all simply love. Jesus did that for us. And Paul reminds the Corinthians of that, what Jesus has done. He also reminds the Romans. He tells the Romans in in chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us, was buried for us, and was raised again on the third day for us on Easter. He was raised to life in accordance with the Scripture. And he is still alive, still coming to us like he did to Paul, even if we're not in the same time period, so that we might believe in him and might be saved. That's the powerful good news that Paul writes about. But even that might be a little challenging for you to remember and share. So if we go to the Gospel of John, we get an even shorter summary of the good news of Jesus, of the Gospel. You know the verse, I'm sure. It's John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Probably more people have been saved by hearing just that little bit of good news than of all the other scriptures. It's not the whole gospel, but, but like a speck of uranium, it has unimaginable power, the power to save, to know that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. I was listening to an interview with author Daniel Nairi, and he was talking about his autobiography, autobiographical novel, Everything Sad is Untrue, a true story. And it describes his life as a refugee student in Oklahoma. You see, his mom had fled with her two kids from Iran when she became a Christian. She was raised a a very wealthy person there. Her family were descendants of the prophet Muhammad. She was a medical doctor. She had power, prestige, an education, family, a home, everything anybody could want in Iran. But the good news of Jesus was more powerful than the pull of all that. Listen to this page from the book. In Iran, if you convert from Islam to Christianity or Judaism, it's a capital crime. That means if they find you guilty in religious court, they kill you. But if you convert to something else like Buddhism or something, then it's not so bad. Probably because Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are sister religions, and you always have the worst fights with your sister. And probably nothing happens if you're just six years old, except if you say, I'm a Christian now in your school, chances are that the committee will hear, and they'll raid your house. Because if you're a Christian now then so are your parents probably, and the committee does, not, does way worse stuff than killing you. When my sister walked out of her room and said that she met Jesus, my mom knew all that. 
And here's the part that gets hard to believe. Seema, my mom, read about him and became a Christian too. Now, it doesn't say what she read. Maybe she read all the Gospels. Maybe she read just uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Maybe she, she read John 3.16. But somehow, in encountering the Scriptures, she too had faith in Christ. And not just regular faith, he says, the kind that people keep in their pocket. She fell in love. She wanted everyone to have what she had, to be free, to realize that in other religions you have rules and codes and obligations to follow to earn good things, but all you had to do with Jesus was to believe he was the one who died for you. And she believed. When I tell the story in Oklahoma, this is the part where the grown-ups always interrupt me. They say, okay, but, but why did she convert? Because up to this point, I've told them about the house with the birds and the walls, all the villages my grandfather owned, all the gold, my mom's own medical practice, all the amazing things that she had that we don't have anymore because she became a Christian. All the money she gave up, so we're poor now. But I don't have an answer for them. How can you explain why someone believes anything? So I just say what my mom says when people ask her. She looks them in the eye with the begging hope that they hear her. And she says, because it's true. It's true. And it's more valuable than $7 million in gold coins and thousands of acres of Persian countryside and 10 years of education to get a medical degree and all your family and a home and the best cream puffs and jolfa and even maybe your life. My mom wouldn't have made the trade otherwise. If you believe it's true that there is a God and he wants you to believe in him and he sent his son to die for you, then it has to take over your life. It has to be worth more than everything else because heaven's waiting on the other side. Now in his book, he writes about his mom, but he also tells of his father who refused to leave Iran and of his longing as a child to see his father and, and his grandparents. In the interview that I, that I watched, Daniel says that as a child he followed his mom to become a refugee because that's what you do as a kid. You go with your mom. But when he turned 18, he had a choice. And his dad called him and asked him to come visit. And in order to do that, Daniel knew that he would be questioned by the authorities to see if he was a heretic like his mom. But his dad said, you don't have to tell them you're a Christian. You can fudge it. Just say you're agnostic. Daniel dearly wanted to go back home, especially to see his grandparents. But he couldn't deny his faith. The gospel had changed his life too. And so he never went. You and I might not be put in such a dramatic situation to test our faith. And, and we might also have never experienced huge breakthroughs like we have heard others had. But we have heard the good news. And if people see that in our lives, it may change them too. The gospel is that powerful. Paul writes to the Colossians and and I think uh, 
It applies to us here too. He says, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news, the truth of the gospel. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. The Spirit breaks through in many ways, but none more powerfully than through the gospel, the good news of God's saving love in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's more power in those few words than in all the nuclear plants in the world. For through the good news, this world is forever changed. And so, as we say on Ash Wednesdays, repent and believe in the gospel. It is the power of God to save us, to save us all. Let's, be, let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we are so thankful for however it is that we've heard the good news, whether it was reading one of the Gospels in the Bible, whether it was reading one of Paul's letters, or if it's through the, the life of a friend or family member, however we heard the gospel, Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful, for we know your love for us. We know that we are saved. We know that you will welcome us home, and you'll walk with us every day. Lord, may our lives shine your light out into the world so that all may know the good news of life in you. Amen.